Welcome to episode 86 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is part three in the Ghost Stories series that you've come to know and love. Uh, hopefully know and love. I love collecting and hearing these stories, and I also love sharing them with you via the Bobcast. I have an idea. Eventually, I'm going to put all these stories together in some kind of like book form or something like that. I hope that's more or less kind of my end goal with all these episodes, with the permission of the people who tell me the stories. Of course, it'll be a sort of compendium of the creepy, as it is. Yes, it's Actually, a ghost story contributor from the very first ghost stories episode gave me this idea. Thank you very much, Jen. Now, you could consider this episode a little bit of a Christmas present from me to you, just like all the other content that's going on in December on the Bobcast. And I really did want to kind of squeeze one more Ghost Stories episode in before the end of 2020. These episodes are absolutely my favorite types of episodes out of all the different Bobcast stuff that I do. What's so great about these episodes? Well, I get to talk to a bunch of really rad people that have all these crazy stories I also challenge myself to find music that fits in the episode, kind of songs that are ghost-related in some way, or at least somehow relevant to the stories that are going on. And I end up finding all these bands that I didn't really know about before or never really listened to, and that is super rad. Mostly, though, I will say it's the stories, because holy shit, the stories. These ghost storytelling people have seen and have been through some crazy shit Davey and Jared from the very first episode? Fernie from the second Ghost Stories episode? I still think about those stories all the time because they're gnarly stories. Well, this episode is also full of truly incredible and incredibly frightening stories as told by the people that experienced the strange, the unknown, and the very possibly paranormal. As we go through, I'll introduce each contributor to this episode right before their segment or story, Here's a quick rundown, or who's who, of this episode for you. First up, we have Maria Wessenauer. She starts this whole episode off with a tale of a departed relative that visits from beyond the grave. Next, we have Darren Pfeiffer, and he has a story about a very haunted live music venue. Then we have Cesar, who tells a tale of a haunted hotel in Jerome, Arizona. After that, C.J. Frederick of the band Dead Bars, has a Christmas ghost story for us right in time for, well, Christmas. And last but not least, we have a returning guest in this episode, Amanda Paulson from the Pretty and Spooky blog and YouTube channel, with her partner in the paranormal investigation of a haunted doll, Sharice Williams. This story is gnarly. I can't wait for you to hear it. And a little something new in this episode, we have a very special guest in this one. Yes, Ivy Boyd returns with a few creepy Christmas ghost stories to get you in the Yuletide spirit or spirits. Why don't we do that right now? Here's Ivy from the Creepin' It Real podcast and Ghoul's Trip blog. One of the bravest paranormal investigators that is out there that I know of. And she's got some Christmas fear for us. What's up, everyone? My name is Ivy. You might recognize my voice from my former podcasts, The Witching Hour or Creepin' It Real. I'm a witch, paranormal investigator, 
And currently, I am a member of the Ghouls Trip Paranormal Travel Blog, and I've been featured in a previous episode on this very podcast. For this episode, which comes out just before Christmas or Yule, I am going to help carry on the old Victorian England tradition of telling scary ghost stories to celebrate Christmas. To quote Charles Dickens, Christmas Eve is the witching time for storytelling. I will be telling you five of my favorite Christmas-related hauntings, but first, a quick disclaimer. Some of these stories contain material that could be sensitive to some younger listeners, so listener discretion is advised. Now that that's out of the way, it's time to get into the Christmas spirit with some Christmas spirits. Story number one, The Mistletoe Bride. It is said that sometime in the early 17th century, a young woman named Anne was about to get married around Christmas time in the Bromshill House in Hampshire, England. Following the era's traditions, they held a ceremony, then a feast, Then the guests were to carry the bride to her bedchamber. Anne, however, suggested that they played a quick game and asked for a few minute head start and that the guests come and find her, kind of like hide and seek. Everyone searched long and hard for Anne, but she was never found. The groom, Lord Lavelle, was obviously distraught and it was assumed that she fled to avoid the marriage. Years went by, but Lord Lavelle never stopped looking for Anne. Then one day, about 50 years after her disappearance, Lord Lavelle was up in the attic of the mansion when he discovered a secret door. Inside was an ornate wooden chest, and laying inside, still in her wedding gown clutching her mistletoe bouquet, was the skeletal remains of Anne. Scratch marks inside the lid of the chest indicated that she was trapped inside alive and tried desperately to claw her way out, but her efforts didn't work. Her ghost is now referred to as the White Lady, and it is said that she haunts the Fleur de Lis room. At one point in time, it is said that Michael I of Romania was staying here and asked that he be moved to another room as to not disturb the young woman in white who would pass through his room each night. A large chest that was suspected to be the one from this tale was put on display in the mansion, and although there is no strong evidence that a woman had died there in such a way, and that this chest was even the same one from the story, we do know one thing for sure. Something odd is going on in the Bromshill House, which is now known as one of England's most haunted locations. Story number two, a haunted dining room. Built in 1886 in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, is the beautiful Crescent Hotel, which is arguably one of the most haunted locations in all of Arkansas. On one particular Christmas, the staff at the hotel were about to set up the dining room only to find that the Christmas tree in the dining room was somehow moved to the other side of the room. On another Christmas, all of the menus in the dining room had somehow been scattered all over the room. 
Could it have been another staff member messing with them? Yes, possibly. But supposedly, they all denied moving it. And as if this isn't spooky enough, visitors at the hotel also reported seeing ghostly figures moving about the dance floor in Victorian-era clothing. It definitely seems as though some of the hotel residents never left and enjoy celebrating Christmas in their own odd and spooky way. Story number three, A Headless Horseman. The Roos Hall in Suffolk, England is home to a large oak hanging tree where numerous criminals were hung. It is also said that inside one of the building's cupboards is the mark of the devil's cloven hoof, so it's no surprise that some creepy paranormal activity has been reported here. For example, the pale ghostly face of a small girl has been seen peering out from the gable window, and it is also rumored that every Christmas Eve, a headless horseman can be seen riding a phantom coach being pulled by four black horses down the driveway of the Roos Hall. Story number four, a murdered highwayman. It was towards the end of the 18th century on a cold Christmas Eve night when a highwayman named Gilbert was said to have stopped a coach and horses on Hawkehurst Road in Kent, England. Inside the coach was a young lady and her father. Gilbert ordered them out of the coach and onto the road, but right as the girl stepped out, the horses suddenly bolted, taking the coach and her father with them. The young lady was now left alone on the side of the road in the dark with Gilbert when she realized that she recognized his face. He was the highwayman that had killed her own brother some years earlier. The young lady drew a knife from her bag and stabbed Gilbert, killing him, then fled the scene. Eventually, the horses were calmed and the coach returned to where she had been, only to find the bloody body of Gilbert, which they promptly buried on the side of the road. Villagers found the young lady the next day in the woods, but it seemed as though she had gone completely mad. It is now said that on every Christmas Eve, those who are brave enough to pass by the location of the murder will see the entire ghostly scene play out on the side of the road. Story number five, A Ghostly Bride. Anne Boleyn was the second wife of King Henry VIII. In order to marry Anne, Henry needed to divorce his first wife, Catherine. To do this, Henry cut ties with the Catholic Church in Rome because they opposed divorce. But despite the troubles Henry went through in order to finally marry Anne, he quickly grew tired of her as well, this time opting to behead her in 1536. Since then, it is said that every Christmas Eve, Anne's ghostly apparition can be seen slowly gliding across the bridge that leads to her family home, Hever Castle, in Kent, England, which is where she was her happiest during her life before it was taken from her so soon. If you enjoyed these spooky tales, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Tattoos and Spooks, 
where I post random creepy fun facts, travel photos from haunted places, and other paranormal content. And check out my website, ghoulstrip.blog, like a girl's trip but for ghouls, where we go state by state covering some of America's most haunted locations and sometimes even investigating them for ourselves. Thank you so much for listening and have a super spooky holidays. Well, thank you, Ivy, for your contribution to this Ghost Stories episode. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, we're going to be hearing more from Ivy in future paranormal and ghostly-themed episodes with her very own Bobcast segment. Do check out Ivy's podcast. It's called Creepin' It Real, and that is available generally wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, check out the Ghoul's Trip blog at www.ghoulstrip.blog. Now, besides just ghost stories in this episode, there is music. Yes, always. Music is interweaved around these stories much like a spirit winding its way through the passages of the other side, or something like that. We've got songs by Parasites, Tsunami Bomb, Nightbirds, and Pulley in this episode. I gotta say, these songs are the perfect accompaniment to these tantalizing and terrifying tales. Another thing before we get to the stories and the songs, are you interested in paranormal investigating? Ghost hunting, in other words? Now, I know some people don't like the word ghost hunting or ghost hunter, but some people also have sticks shoved very far up their pretentious asses. Indeed. Well, have I got a deal for you with the premier suppliers of paranormal investigating tools, Ghost Stop. If there is a tool or piece of equipment out there to assist you in paranormal investigating, Ghost Stop has it. You might be asking yourself, how can I check out what Ghost Stop has to offer? Very easy. Just go to www.iwannapartywithbob.com, click on the Ghost Stop banner at the very top of the homepage, and start ordering. Or you can also go to www.ghoststop.com slash click equals 82176, and that's very fucking complicated. However, once you get there, you can browse, shop, and purchase the finest gear used by the greatest ghost hunting teams in the world. Teams such as Ghost Hunters from the TV show The Taps People, yes. And also Ghost Adventures, the slicked hair Guido guys. They use Ghost Stop gear in their investigations. I think you should too. Go to my website, click on the Ghost Stop banner, check it out. That's by far much easier than that click equals blah, blah, blah bullshit. Far too complicated. My website's the easiest way to go. And here's the thing. If you order from the banner on my website or that click bullshit... It will help me get some new tools to assist in my ever-growing perusals into the paranormal. Yeah, you'll be helping a Bob out, in other words, and I thank you. Their stuff absolutely rules. Speaking about things that rule, Discount Cemetery. They make stuff. Stuff that absolutely rules, I believe. Here are a few words about this episode's sponsor, Discount Cemetery. That will be followed immediately after by the song Killing Moon by the band Parasites. And that is a cover of that Echo and the Bunnymen song, just like at the very beginning of Donnie Darko. Right? Remember that? Okay, stay tuned. All we do is work, work, work these days. There are so many Discount Cemetery t-shirts, sweatshirts, vintage jerseys, raglans, and accessories going into Santa's sleigh this year... 
Don't these people know it's Christmas, not Halloween? Yeah, I've packed more of these burbs, movie t-shirts, and sweatshirts than PlayStation 5s. You know what else? I think we might go over the sleigh's weight limit with all these Craftsylvania bundles. Anyway, discount cemetery clothing looks good any time of year. What's the Craftsylvania bundle you mentioned back there? I'm glad you asked. The Craftsylvania bundle is a discount cemetery groundskeeper sweatshirt and a pair of handmade fangtastic earrings. Only $34.99 if you order soon. Wow, the sweatshirt and the earrings even glow in the dark. I guess Santa won't need Rudolph to guide his sleigh tonight. That's okay. I heard Rudolph went full Q and painted Make America Great Again on his nose. The next thing you know, he'll be calling Santa a socialist for giving out free stuff. Shh. We better get back to work. It's almost Christmas Eve, and I think I hear Santa coming. Ho, 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 let's go. We've got a sleigh full of Discount Cemetery's finest goods to deliver to all the nice people of the world on this Christmas Eve. There are so many people on the nice list, and they all wanted Discount Cemetery clothing and accessories this year. Hmm, maybe they all went to www.discountcemetery.com and used the code PARTYWITHBOB for 20% off of their entire order of the finest and creep-tastic clothing to be found south of the North Pole. I know I wouldn't be caught dead in anything but discount cemetery clothing when I'm not working. Speaking of work, time to ho-ho-go!
Not a bad way to kick this thing off, huh? Just picture it, waking up on the side of a winding mountain road, pedaling your little 10 speed down the mountain, then through town. It really takes my mind back to one of the greatest movies of all time. And that movie is also kind of a ghost story when you think about it, right? Spoiler alert, Donnie's dead through the whole movie, I believe. Our first story of this episode is from Maria Wessenauer, the force behind Hollywood Exhumed on Instagram and Facebook. Maria is a historian tour guide. She is the vice president of the San Fernando Valley Historical Society, and she is an all-around rad person. Maria's story is about family, one family member in particular whose passing didn't keep him from stopping by to say hello from time to time. Here's Maria with her story. It was my first paranormal encounter. My, my first, we'll say. I must have been maybe. I, I, I'm calculating two or three. Very, very small, but verbal. But I was born talking, so that doesn't mean anything. Oh. <laughs> so my, my uncle, my dad's father, passed when I was a little over one years old. My family took it very, very hard. My, my dad would go to the cemetery like every weekend. Oh, wow. So I always say I was born into being a Taffafil because I was at a cemetery every weekend. It was like a park to me. My mom would lay me to sleep in her bed and I had two older sisters. And so everybody would be awake in the house and my dad worked night. And so everybody would kind of stay up later and they would put me, she would put me down in her bed and she would kind of leave the door kind of cracked open. And I would be, you know, I would kind of like wake up and I would see a man peeking in at me and he would kind of like, you know, push the door open a little bit and he would smile and he would wave and he would do the whole peekaboo thing. And it would happen almost every night. And I can still, till this day, I mean, it's been, you know, a very long time and I could still see what he looked like in my mind's eye, you know, like I could see him. He was wearing a white suit. I, I mean, I can totally envision what he looked like still. But he would come in and, then, you know, he would laugh and make faces at me. And he'd do the, sh- like, you know, because I would, obviously he'd be making me laugh. And so i giggle and he would do the sh- to me. So, you know, after this happening for, I don't know how, you know, I'm two or three. I, I'd be lying if I told you how long this was happening for. I asked my mom, who's the man that comes and makes me laugh? And she was kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. Whoa. Like kind of like that kind of look. And then she's like, what do you mean? What does he look like? And so I told her. And so I think it clicked for her who it was. She told me it was, she told me it was Papa Dios, which in Spanish it means like God or Jesus. So she oh. said it was Jesus coming to check on me while I slept. So as to not scare you or something like that, maybe? I think, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And, you know, I would say probably just to comfort me and not to put an idea in my head because it's not like the paranormal wasn't talked about. It was over talked about in my home. Family was like very much into the paranormal and, you know, everything in my life is a superstition of some kind. Sure. But I wasn't the only one in the family who saw him. You know, and of course, as you get older, things start coming out. And this is how it's not like at two, I knew this, but we had, we were having a family barbecue and my mom had gone into the house from the backyard to get something. And she saw him standing in the doorway in the kitchen and he was just kind of staring at her. 
And then on another occasion, my sister, I have a sister who's four years older than me, had been at a neighbor's house and was coming home. It was like nighttime and she was crossing the street back over and she heard footsteps behind her. So it made her a little nervous. So she started walking a little faster and they started walking a little faster. And so then she started walking a little faster and they started walking a little faster. So finally she just like looked behind her and when she looked behind her, it was my uncle. Just plain as day obvious. I did not. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And when I, when I, you know, obviously you don't know, I didn't know about ghosts when I was two or three. Sure. Right. To me, it just looked like a person. So obviously it was a full body apparition. Yeah. I don't know. I guess he was very connected to here, but what's odd is I'll tell you. So the night my uncle died, my mom had had a dream that she had gone to his apartment and he had just moved into a new apartment. She had never been there. So in the dream, she saw the actual apartment building, the surrounding area. And when she walked in, she saw him laying on the bed with no shirt on. So she wakes up because our phone is ringing. It was that they were calling to give the news that my uncle had passed. Oh my gosh. So she jumps in the car with my dad and they drive to my uncle's new apartment. And she said that she couldn't get out of the car because when she looked, it was the building and the surrounding area that she saw in her dream. Oh my God. And so when she finally mustered it up, mustered up enough courage, she went inside and my uncle had passed in his sleep and he had no shirt on. Oh my, that was my question. Next question was going to be, where did he pass away in that apartment? Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. So she had a full on yeah. like premonition or not, maybe not even premonition. Full on, full that, on. But you know, one of those, you know, one of those quirky kids things, they had said that he had had the hiccups really bad prior to going to sleep. And as a child, I always thought, if, you know, I always if somebody had the hiccups that they were going to die. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it is. well, it's association, of course. You know, that's, yeah. wow, that's intense. Did he, did, mm -hmm. did he say anything to you? When, I mean, obviously, like you said, he was kind of playing peekaboo, peekaboo with you and stuff oh, like no, that. Oh, no, nonverbal, nonverbal. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. How long did that go on for? Did that, was he, he kind I of mean, lingering I, for a long I, time? I, I, I think so. I think that happened for a while. I think it was probably a while before I even mentioned it to my mom, just because I just thought it was normal. You know, I'm, I was a baby. Was right. That small, you know. Did anybody ever say to you later in life, talk to you about it as you got older? Kind of like we, we think maybe that was your uncle. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And looking at pictures of my uncle, obviously now, you know, even like as an older child looking at pictures, I was like, oh yeah, that's him. Wow. Was he more or less like a welcome presence? Would you say in your house oh, that I you knew of? So. I, I mean, I would, I, you know, of course I'm sure when my mom, my, like I said, my house was full of superstitions. And if you had, if you had a nightmare, she would put a clear glass of water under your bed or behind the door. We had all kinds of things growing up. I'm of Cuban descent, so we have a lot of those kind of superstitions and, you know, to clear the energy. Oh, like folk medicine type of, type of thing. Right. Going back to the my whole uncle thing, so like I told you, we would go to the cemetery basically every week, every weekend. Yeah. And so that was kind of our playground, and that's still one of my favorite places to go. On my Hollywood Exhumed, a lot of my poster at Valhalla, that's the name of the cemetery. It's where Oliver North is buried, and Pugsley from the Adams family, whose funeral I went to, 
there's there's a ton of people buried there. Where 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 is that but located? Where is that cemetery? North Hollywood. Oh, it's in North Hollywood. North okay. Hollywood. It's like it's like near Burbank, but it's like North Hollywood Burbank. It's a very old cemetery, but it was the first one with like the flat headstones. So it kind of like would give people more the impression of like they were at a park versus a cemetery. Ah, uh, okay, sure. Like I said, my parents would go there all the time. They were there visiting and they were sitting on a bench. Just the two of them had gone. Next to where they were sitting, there's like a little half retainer wall because on the other side, it's, I think, people who are cremated. And so that little that little half wall kind of divides, divides it. So it's not oh, a full okay. retainer wall. It's just a little half retainer wall. It was like during the week and there's really nobody in the cemetery and they're sitting on, on the bench talking and my mom sees a little girl running around and she tells my dad, like, look at this. This little girl is here by herself. Where, where are her parents? So my dad's kind of like, ah, I don't know. The little girl is like running from behind the wall and then like peeking out at her and then like running back behind the wall. She's kind of like, like playing with my mom. Yeah. So my mom's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, she keeps playing peekaboo kind of with me. I'm going to go and I'm going to scare her. I'm going to do it to her. The little girl peeks out and laughs and my mom laughs back. And so she, my mom like creeps around and goes to the wall. And when she walks around the wall with a little girl, was peeking out from there was no little girl oh my she comes back and tells my dad where did a little girl go and she goes he's like what are you talking about like she never like he would have definitely had to see her because it was like open on, it's open on both sides directly across the street from the well we'll call it a street the little road that separates like one side of the cemetery for the other directly across from the area where they're sitting is prominently children buried Thank you, Maria, for the story. That was great. Maria's mom and the premonition, that part was crazy. I, seriously, I got goosebumps when she was telling me that part of the story. Maria's super rad. Look for her in a future Bobcast episode. We have a lot to talk about. Pioneer Cemetery in the San Fernando Valley, the Andres Pico Adobe, which is one of the oldest standing buildings or adobe structures in Los Angeles. We have the old punk days in L.A. to talk about and much more. Definitely keep your ears out for an episode with Maria soon. Up next is a tale of a haunted music venue in Buffalo, New York, told to us by Darren Pfeiffer. Darren, or Dangerous Darren, was a founding member of the band Goldfinger. Darren was the drummer, by the way. He's currently the host of a podcast called The Dangerous Darren Show, Check Darren's podcast out. It is rad. Some of his more recent guests are Greg Graffin of Bad Religion, Joey Keithley of the band DOA, Sam from the band Get Dead, and my favorite guest of Darren's in recent times would have to be Boz Bohr, who you may know from Morrissey, Morrissey's band. Boz is Morrissey's longtime guitarist and collaborator. Really rad. So here's Darren with his tale of the unusual that details a little bit of his visit to Buffalo, New York, and a very haunted venue. Basically, my story is uh, I never saw a ghost or experienced apparitions personally, but there was one time on tour with Goldfinger, 2015, 2014. I was with my girlfriend, Diana. She was very uh, aware and present of spirits around her hmm. and uh, meeting her mother 
several times as, as one would meet a girlfriend's mother. She told me, yeah, Diana's like actually got some powers. And I said, and initially my brain was like, okay, that's kind of silly. She's like, no, there were times where I, I would I'd come into Diana's room and, and, and the door would shut behind me, slam behind me. And there was no, no one else in the room. Wow. There was one time where Diana was a young girl would jump into my bed because she was scared. She had a nightmare and she'd shut and lock the door behind her and she'd jump into bed and the doors would rattle. And they called the police one time because they thought there was an intruder in the house and the police showed up and searched the whole house and there was nobody there. And there was times where me and Diana would be watching TV and she'd just look at the doorway of the bedroom and go, do you mind? We're watching television. And I'm like, what was that? She's like, oh yeah, there's some, there's, there's a spirit in the house. Someone's watching us. We're on tour. We're in Buffalo, New York, my hometown, Buffalo Bills, hometown. <laughs> He's wearing a Buffalo Bills hat while we're talking. I'm wearing a Buffalo Bills hat. <laughs> So we're in Buffalo, New York, and the bus is parked outside of the Showplace Theater, which is owned by my good friend, R.D. Crenshaw, who, for the longest time, manages the Goo Goo Dolls, and he's a very, very good friend. The venue's a good-sized room. I'm talking maybe 18 to 2,000, and Diana slept in. We, I woke up early to go in and see R.D. and see the crew at the venue and get my, make sure my drums were, were, were good to go, and Artie's like, oh, let me give you a tour of the place. So he gives me a tour of the whole catacombs, and there's catacombs underneath. And he goes, you know, this, this used to be owned by um, Al Capone. It was Al Capone's Buffalo headquarters. He had headquarters in, in most major cities. This was his Buffalo headquarters. He, he ran liquor out of here and other illegal activities out of the basement. Oh, okay. In the basement, the basement was all these catacombs and hallways that lead to other hallways and rooms. And it was really, I felt creepy down there. And he goes, yeah, it's haunted. It's, it's fully haunted down here. Darren. And I go, why are you, he's got some money, right? And so why don't you get this all fixed up? you know, and expand your venue to a downstairs, like pool tables and hang rooms. And because I want to, but I can't get anybody to work. No one, no one will take the work. Everyone will come work for two, two days, three days, and then they'll just go, I quit. And why? Well, there's somebody was slamming doors and I saw something creepy and I looked down at my hand, my, my tool boxes is moved to another room and I didn't move it there. And they just couldn't get anybody, any, anybody to work. It's like, yeah, so that, that whole thing's on hold. I got a bar upstairs. I got a venue. I, I'm happy with that for now. But yeah, this used to be Al Capone's place. And like, are there any bodies? She's like, maybe, I don't know. I haven't dug into the concrete. I, I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe there's not. Who knows? Diana wakes up, I don't know, around one o'clock, two o'clock. And she opens up the curtain in the bus and just looks at the venue. And she goes, what the fuck? Is that the venue? And I go, yeah, that's, that's the venue. That's the show place. She goes, I'm not going in there. And I go, why? She's like, some really dark shit happened in that building. Some dark shit is happening in that building. That building is cursed. That building is haunted. I'm not going in that building. I'm like, well, you got to come into the show. She's like, I'll stand the bus. I'm fine. I talked her into going in. I'm like, you got to meet the owner. You got to go to the basement. It's Al Capone. Now, once I say Al Capone, she's like, okay, there's some history to the building. Well, maybe I'll go in. It'll creep me out, but I'll go in. So she goes in. She doesn't get a vibe inside the main room that, where the concerts were being held or the bar area. But when she went down to the basement, I could see her skin crawl. And she was just like, freaking, she's like some shit went down in that room. And, and there's definitely a lot of people here right now. A lot, a lot of people right now. I'm, I'm like, around us? She's like, yeah, they're here. They're around. They're here right now. I got to go. And she, she, went, she, she ran upstairs. And she went to the bus and she didn't come in for the show. She stayed in the bus for that one particular show. And all night long, we're all making fun of her. She's like, no, that, that place is dark. And there's some, there, there was some sinister evil souls lurking, lost evil souls lurking in that basement of, of that, of that venue. 
So then she made me, she made me like bathe in smoke of uh, sage for a little while. She burned sure. some sage and she was getting all that shit off your body. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a shower. I just played a show. She's like, no, 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 no. You got to get it off your body. Then, then shower. Then we'll sage you again. And she was it freaked her out, freaked her out in that particular venue in Buffalo, freaked her out. So some dark, evil, sinister prohibition Capone shit went down in that, in that venue we played. Just by looking at the building through uh, a window of a bus, she just like she knew right away something was going down. And my buddy couldn't get people to work, like do carpentry or, or put up walls or anything like electrical stuff, like because guys kept just saying, "I quit. I can't. There's shit going down in here." And I, I got other jobs I can do that aren't creepy and haunted. I said, "You haven't seen anything?" He's like, "No. I get a vibe, but not. I haven't seen an apparition yet." And I go, "Give it time." We've been in plenty of venues before where we've heard some of the promoters like, oh, yeah, this, this, this old theater or this old church, it's, it's haunted. It's like, uh, but, you know, I, but I've never actually seen or experienced anything like creepy. Just, just my ex-girlfriend having a few run-ins with some spirits. Well, thank you, Darren, for your tale. I do have one correction to issue here. The name of that venue in Buffalo is the town ballroom, not the showplace theater. Thank you very much for that correction, Darren. I appreciate it. Look for The Dangerous Darren Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's take a little break in the stories to hear a song. This one is the song Wake the Dead by the band Tsunami Bomb. Stay tuned.
Thank you for the song, Tsunami Bomb. The next story is told to us by someone who is like family to me. Well, because he is family to me, my father-in-law, to be exact. Cesar is the next with a ghostly tale. And he told me this story fairly recently. Back in September, we were in Arkansas together. We were sitting around a fire outside on a cool September night, drinking and telling stories. And that is absolutely, I would say, the best way to hear a ghost story uh, other than in a Bobcast ghost stories trademark episode. Cesar's story is about some strange goings on in his hotel room at the Jerome Grand Hotel in Jerome, Arizona. Here is Cesar with his story. Yeah, the one in Jerome, Paula and I were on the trip on our honeymoon, and we went to uh, the, the Grand Canyon, and we went to the, um, the Meteor Crater. On our way back, we were just driving and driving and driving forever, and then uh, we kind of saw this little town way up in the mountains, you know, like we just thought, why don't we explore that town, and there has to be a hotel or something there, food and stuff. To spend the night there. So we went to Jerome, and they, I think that's the only hotel they have there. So it, it looked really old, you know, really uh, special, you know, in a way, because it, it just looked like a huge building that uh, just just sitting right there in the middle of this little town, you know. Do you know the history of the town? It's, it's like uh, it, it has the largest uh, copper mine in the late 19th century, I think, beginning of the 20th century. So, because they were the biggest copper mine and other stuff that they were mining, they had one of the best, or if not the best, uh, hospital in the region. And so that hotel was a hospital. They told us that in that hotel, uh, before, when it used to be a hospital, they, they, you know, they treat a lot of cases of injuries and death and chopping limbs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then later when the uh, copper mine, you know, when they were closing, because they were running out of the ore, yeah. I think it became a uh, a house for uh, crazy people. Oh, like a psychiatric uh, hospital or something like that. Uh, right, like a psychiatric hospital. And so I don't know for how long it was. So then that town was like a ghost town for many, 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 many years. And people start coming in there in the town and taking property, you know, just like living in, I'm, I like this house, so I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna live there. Uh-huh. And so the town, the town little by little came back to life. And then somebody opened a hotel there, which is the grand, Grand Jerome Hotel. Yeah. Or Grand Jerome. So we got to the hotel, we got our room, and then they had a really nice restaurant. So we went to the restaurant, you know, we drank a bottle of wine and we had a great dinner. And then we thought, you know what, uh, let's just go to sleep and we'll explore the town tomorrow because we were super tired. So we went to sleep. I don't know, it was like around midnight or a little bit past midnight when we kind of woke up at the same time. And I remember Paula telling me like, are you awake? Are you awake? And I'm like, yes, yes, I am awake. Do you see that? Do you see that? Because 
there was like some kind of glowing under the bed, under the the door. And a few seconds after we woke up and we start seeing that and we're like, Are you awake? asking each other. We saw this like ball crawling from under the the door and it was like a glowing ball with hair, like a hairy ball that was spinning. Oh whoa. And it just came from under the the door and it just went wrong right through the room and the higher piece of furniture. And we were like, You see that? You see that? Are you awake? Are you awake? Yes, yes, I saw that. We we just stood there, you know, like sitting in the bed, we didn't wanna get up and then we went and and look behind the piece of furniture, you know, we move it around, nothing, we didn't find anything. And then um, we went back to sleep. And a few minutes later, there was like rattling on the, on the drawers, on that piece of furniture. On the dresser or something. Yeah, on the dresser, the little dresser. And we woke up again and then we're like, oh, okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, let's go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't scared. We were just really, really tired. We were just like, whatever. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but it was amazing. I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, something that I guess it was special because we both remember it really well. Like we, we know what we saw and it was kind of crazy, but it's part of the magic, you know, of, of visiting all places. And, and uh, I don't know, it's some kind of energy there. Right. And that's so crazy that both of you saw the exact same thing, experienced all the same stuff, heard the dresser rattling, and then you're like, ah, we're too tired to deal. Just let's go to sleep. And still in the morning, you're like, oh, yeah, that all happened last night. Still, oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. We like check with each other step by step. I woke you up or we woke up at the same time and then we were like shaking each other like, hey, hey, wake up, are you awake? Yes, I'm awake, so what's up? I don't know, but look, you know, the glow under the the door and then that thing rolling from under, you know, wow. That's amazing. Really fast ball, you know. <laughs> yeah, just zipped from the door to over behind a chair or something like that. and Something, yeah, yeah, behind that piece of furniture. We just thought, wow, this is amazing, but let's just go to sleep. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Hopefully it won't keep me up all night. So, <laughs> Because I think they told us, you know, when we got there, we saw flyers about the hotel and we, it was kind of like haunted. We kind of knew when we went there. So, And they told us, you know, sometimes things happen here. We could just laughing like that. Right. But then it happened. So... Yeah, it's crazy. Thank you for the story, Cesar. Not so silent night in that hotel room. Yep. I've been meaning to get Cesar on a podcast, Ghost Stories episode for a long time. That story is nuts, and he has some other stories too. Maybe we'll be hearing from Cesar a little bit more in the future. Up next, my pal CJ from the band Dead Bars with a wintry and Christmassy tale, possibly from beyond the grave. New Jersey does feature prominently in this one. New Jersey is also my home state. Yep, here's CJ. 
I'd like to welcome my pal CJ, who I know from the band Dead Bars. He plays guitar in Dead Bars right now. And he's here to tell us a tale, possibly a Christmas-related ghost story. But let's see what CJ has to say. Well, welcome, CJ, and let's hear what kind of story you have for us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Bob. This is a little ghost story um, with a little bit of a Christmas tinge to it, uh, you know. Yeah, well, it, it starts like this. It, it goes like this. It goes, Maiello was dead to begin with. There was no doubt whatever about that. The register for his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Chief Screw, I mean, yeah, yeah. CJ, I, I signed it, and my name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. But old Maiello was as dead as a doornail. Mind, I don't mean to say that I know of my own knowledge that there is a particularly dead about a partic- particularly dead about a doornail. Dead, as a, dead as a doornail, in other words. Dead as a doornail. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know... I, I might have been inclined myself to regard a uh, coffin nail, you know, as the deadliest piece of iron laundry in the trade. You know what I mean? Uh, but the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it. You the- will, therefore, permit. I was just going to say, what, what's you, up, Bob? I was just going to say, do you, where, what part of the country do you live in? Cause it sounds a lot like kind of archaic English, something like that. I don't know. You speak very formal, I'm, very formal. I'm from, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, Jer- oh well, that explains it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Carry yeah. on. Okay. Carry on. Good. Yeah. I grew up right, right outside uh, New York city. Gotcha. Okay. Kind of a, kind of a local local the dialect guy. like a local dialect kind of thing something yeah okay. exactly uh-huh. so uh let me see where was i uh let's see um i think i was uh at the part where i was talking about the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile yep my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it or the country's done for you will therefore permit me permit me to repeat empathetically that maello was as dead as a doornail Really trying to hammer home right? that uh, that he was dead. Apparently, uh, at this point. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever seen a living doornail, Bob? I have not. I can honestly say, in all of my travels, no, I've never run into anything like that. And I hope. Well, that's where that expression comes from. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I still don't understand mm-hmm. it, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's your story. I'm just here to record it. That's all. I'm not here to, okay. to interpret. So, All right. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll get on with the story. See, the, the mention of Maiello's funeral brings me back to the point I started from, that there is no doubt that Maiello is dead. And this must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story that I'm about to relate. If we were not perfectly convinced that Hamlet's father died before the play, the play began, there would be nothing more unremarkable in this taking a stroll at night in an easterly wind upon his own ramparts than there would be in any other middle-aged gentleman rashly turning 
out after dark in a breezy spot. Let's just say St. Paul's Churchyard. Okay. For instance. Okay. That's where we used to hang out in Jersey. Oh, okay. All right. Strong eastern winds there, apparently. It's on the ramparts of St. Paul's uh, Church. Right off, right, off, right off Route 46. Right, Hoboken, right near Hoboken. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly, exactly. So, where was I? So, I was tight-fisted hand at the grindstone. Hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his own features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek and stiffened his gait and made his eyes red, his thin lips blue. He spoke out shrewdly in a grating voice. A frosty rhyme was on his head and on his eyebrows and his wiry chin. A cold night. He carried his own... It's very cold. Yeah, it's it cold in uh, New Jersey. In Jersey, yeah. Okay. He carried his own low temperature with him. He iced his office in the dog days, and he didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. So, where was I? Let's see. Do you like the story so far? I, I'm just wondering when we're going to hear about any kind of ghosts. Is if if there? Oh, are- you want me to get to? You want me to get to the ghost part? Yeah, yeah, we're here to talk about ghosts, not how cold it was in Hoboken, you know, in 1873 or whatever it was. You were, you know. Uh, it was, yeah, it was 2002 oh. in Jersey City. Yeah, 2002 in Jersey City. Definitely not uh, 18, would you say 1863, 1873? Yeah, definitely 2000. It's just this whole thing has kind of taken me taking me to another place but i'll keep that in mind that we're dealing with jersey city and to jersey yep. yeah jersey is another place you're we're you're you're in california <laughs> you're right about that yes it is definitely another a whole nother world essentially yes. yeah it is three thousand miles away <laughs> right exactly yes sir three thousand yeah. miles exactly it's exactly three thousand miles all right so i'm just gonna you know i'll get to the ghost points and cool. that's okay kinda, Kind of the point of this, you know, we don't want yeah. to be talking, you know, after the presents have been opened and everything, the whole point of this, get it, get it out there. For, yeah. You know, okay. Sure. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. Give the people what they want. That's what they say. Give the people what they want. That's what I'm here for. And that's definitely what you're here yeah. for tonight. So that's, that's entertainment 101. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. I'm glad we're on yeah. the same page of the same book yeah. here. Um, I don't mean, I hope. I don't mean to. I don't mean to school you on entertainment. <laughs> that's a little something I learned in community college. <clears throat> okay, so I'll get to the ghost part. So when I awoke, it was dark, and looking out of bed, I could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque walls of my chamber. I was, uh, to my great astonishment, to my great astonishment, the heavy bell went from six to seven from seven to eight and regularly up to 12 and then stopped 12. It was past two when I went to bed and that clock was wrong. An icicle must have gotten into the works. You know, icicle works. Your clocks are, yeah. Do your clock, your clocks ever just freeze up when you're thinking about ghosts in the dark? 
Only when there's a, only when I'm, you know, I have a, that it's a syndrome kind of thing. They call it a whisper to a scream. So when you're talking about icicles working up the clock. So I'll get to the part with the ghost. So I went to bed and I thought and I thought and I thought it over and over and I can make nothing of it. The more I thought, the more perplexed I was. And the more I endeavored not to think the more I thought. Milo's ghost bothered me. And every time he resolved within himself after mature inquiry that it was all a dream, that maybe my mind flew back again like a strong spring released to its first position and was presented the same problem. Was it a dream or not? So I lay in my state, New Jersey, until the chime had gone three quarters more when I remembered all of a sudden that a ghost had warned me of a visitation when the bell tolled one. And I resolved to lie awake until the hour had passed and considering that I could no more go to sleep than go to heaven. You know what I mean? I kind of think I might have missed a part, but did did another ghost come and say, hey, there's a ghost is going to visit you when the clock strikes one or something like that? Is that kind of, is that what was going on there? Um, hold on. I got to. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, this is getting yeah. a little bit more interesting. It sounds kind of familiar, but I, I a lot of ghost stories kind of sound similar, honestly. And I've heard yeah, a lot. Heard over a lot the, of- I've heard a lot of stories over the last few days. So yeah, I mean, let's hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever else you got, let's hear the rest of the story. Well, I just want to remind you also. This is a this is a classic New Jersey ghost tale. So it's not it's not really like it's it's different from the other ones. Oh, okay kind of a traditional classic New Jersey ghost story you tell around the the pork roll and tomato pie on Christmas Christmas <laughs> Christmas Eve yeah. or something okay the, the Taylor ham the pork roll all right well let's see where we're where, where were we uh you know the quarter was so long so long that I was convinced that I must have sunk into a doze and just missed the clock and at length, it broke upon my listening ear. It said, ding dong, a quarter past, I said. Ding dong, half past, I said. Ding dong, a quarter to it, I said. And ding dong, the hour itself, I said triumphantly and nothing else. I spoke before the hour bell sounded, which it now did with a deep, dull hollow and melancholy. And light flashed upon my room in the instant. And the curtains of my bed were drawn. CJ, can I let me interrupt for just a sec? Did you yeah. did you write all this down before we started talking? Like it do you are you reading from a script or something? No, this is all from this is all from memory. Interesting. Okay. You have a very yeah, yeah. uh a very linear and I would almost say like a a, a book like memory. Very uh, that's Pretty good. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm pleasantly impressed. I would say. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. 
people tell me that all the time. Good. Okay. Right. Yeah. I just never how, quite heard, uh, a, heard a ghost story quite told in this way. It's I th- maybe in some ways, but not you know not in this these circumstances. So it's kind of a, yeah. it's a little refreshing, honestly, to have it sound like you're just reading from a book or something. I don't know, but carry on. I mean, keep going. Well, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad I could refresh you. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Anyway, like I was saying, you know, the curtains of my bed were drawn aside, and I tell you by hand. Not the curtains at my feet, nor the curtains at my back, but those to which my face was addressed. The curtains of my bed were drawn aside, and I started up, and I found myself face to face with an unearthly visitor, the same one who drew my curtains aside. And as close to it, I was as close to it as I am to you now. And it was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man viewed through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions. Its hair with tongue around its neck and down its back was white as if with age. And yet the face had not a wrinkle in it and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were very long and muscular, the hands the same as if it were hold of some uncommon strength and its legs and feet most delicately formed were like those upper members. They were bare. It wore a tunic of the purest white and round its waist was bound a lustrous belt, the sheen of which was beautiful. And it held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand and in singular contradiction of that wintry emblem had its dress trimmed with summer flowers. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head, there sprung a bright, clear jet of light by which all was visible and which it was doubtless the occasion of its using. In its duller moments, a great extinguisher for a cap, which it now held under its arm. Sounds... Do you like the story so far? Yeah, it sounds a lot like the ghost of Christmas past to me. What's it's, that? Uh, it's a story that people typically tell around Christmas time written by Charles Dickens called a Christmas Carol. I, I'm, are you sure you're not just reading a Christmas Carol to me right now? It sounds, it sounds like you are. I uh, Charles Dickens. Yes. Charles Dickens, classic. It's been interpreted by everything from Muppets to Disney characters to, I'm sure, even like Glenn Campbell has played Scrooge at some point. So you had to have seen or heard something about the story, A Christmas Carol. Scrooge, the movie Scrooge with Bill Murray, oh. starring Bill Murray, is loosely based on Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol. Yeah, I think, I think I've heard of that. You have? Okay. I'm suspecting that you're actually just, you have it in your lap and you're just reading the story to me verbatim as we speak here. Is that an accurate assessment on my part, would you say? or I don't have a ghost story to tell, Bob. Bob, I've never, I've never seen a ghost. <sighs> well, thank you very much for talking tonight, CJ. Uh, pleasure to have you on. And, um... Yeah. Everybody check out that dead body. 
thank you, CJ. I I think thank you, CJ. For the record, I am pretty sure that whole conversation was just a ploy to plug the new Dead Bars Live record begrudgingly, which you should actually buy because Dead Bars are fucking great. Even though CJ's in the band. The name of this Dead Bars Live record is Live at White Eagle Hall. You can find it on Bandcamp at www.deadbars.bandcamp.com. White Eagle Hall, where this live album was recorded, is in Jersey City. By the way, there's your little tie-in to CJ's, or should I say Charles Dickens's story. Follow CJ on Twitter if you're horny. At Bad Hug Forever is his username. Now let's hear a song by another band from New Jersey who, as far as I know, don't have any dickheads named CJ in the band. The band is Nightbirds. The song is Demon Haunted World. And I'm sure that that song title is a reference to the many Dunkin' Donuts locations scattered all over New Jersey. If you don't believe me, go to New Jersey, go to a Dunkin' Donuts, be indecisive when you're ordering at a New Jersey Dunkin' Donuts and watch the fucking demons come out. You know, you'll get this, hurry the fuck up from way back in the line. Yeah, travel tips with Bob. Here's Nightbirds. Thank you, Nightbirds. What a great band. It's really funny to me how many super great bands are from New Jersey. Dead Bars, Nightbirds, Lifetime, Bouncing Souls, The Misfits, Lodi, New Jersey, The Misfits. Yes, indeed. Something must be in the water. Uh, and I'm from New Jersey as well. Up next is the final story of this episode. One of the two people in this story may be familiar to you if you've listened to all of the Ghost Stories episodes that I've done. And that person is Amanda Paulson of the Pretty Effin' Spooky blog and YouTube channel. She's returning with another story for this episode. And joining Amanda in this tale is Sharice Williams. Sharice is a tarot card reader, a paranormal investigator, and a witchcraft practitioner from Ohio. Amanda and Sharice did a long-distance paranormal investigation of a haunted doll. A very haunted doll. Here is Amanda and Sharice's very terrifying tale. Sharice and I decided to purchase a haunted doll off of eBay. 
which a lot of people might have heard of haunted objects going for sale on eBay, haunted dolls, all sorts of stuff. So Sharice and I teamed up and it was mostly her idea, to be honest. And we decided to share a week each with a haunted doll and film it all. Yeah, Sharice, tell me a little, like, well, why did you... <laughs> I contacted you because I yeah. was just like, maybe we could do some sort of like long distance ghost hunt together. And my initial thing was like, maybe we can just sit there and call on a spirit and see what happens and do like the spirit box session and stuff. And then she was, Amanda said, well, let's do a doll. Let's get a haunted doll and each spend a week with her. So it kind of morphed into that. And I was like, that's amazing. And yeah, yeah. dolls kind of creep me out a little bit too, but I was like, anything. Oh, good. I'm not alone. Then. Good, let's good, do good, it. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically we decided to look for a doll and uh, this was like right before it was a little bit before Halloween, actually, when we started looking for this doll. And so there were a lot of people looking for haunted dolls, I think, at that time. That was like a popular yeah. thing on eBay. So uh, we eventually landed on Betty is what the, the seller named the doll. Yeah, we ended up on Betty. And she was only like $13, I think. Right, Sharice? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that was something we were talking about. We were going back and forth. We both like... As soon as we decided it, we both were like, let's go to eBay. Let's look for a doll. Because there's so many dolls that are like, this doll is terribly haunted. She's horrible. I need her out of my life. $250. And we're like, really? Yeah. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. yeah, like some dolls went for crazy prices. We're like, yeah. if you really wanted the doll and it was really haunted and you wanted it out of your life, like why would you be charging an insane amount of money? Yeah. So that was our first thing was we wanted a doll that was like not crazy price because we sure. felt that would make it more legit, I guess. So we found Betty. <laughs> yeah. So Betty's description on eBay, gosh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sharice, if I remember wrong, but it was like the owners bought a box at a garage sale at a house next to them. And the box came with a bunch of stuff, including Betty the doll. And so they believed that Betty was haunted by their neighbor's deceased wife. Yeah, I, I think, think so. something like that. Yeah, so we had a little bit of background to this doll going into it. We thought that it would be a single, uh, older woman spirit. We thought that it was angry. I think that they were saying that she's, like, not evil, but yeah, they were like saying that, that she, I don't know, was dead, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so these owners had... Yeah, the the previous owners had had some experiences with it. They claimed that Betty had gotten up and, like, moved herself across the house and all of these things. And they were just trying to get rid of Betty as soon as possible. So we bought Betty the doll. I purchased her, so she ended up at my place first. Which we we'll decided- get into that, but I, I got the brawl into that deal. We decided next time if we do this again, I'm getting the haunted object first, and then she can be stuck with it. Ah, <laughs> yeah, we, okay. we kind of didn't. We didn't put into account the fact that at the end of having this haunted doll, we wouldn't really know at first what to do with it. So Sharif ended up with the doll much longer than a week, whereas my week was like start to finish a week solid, and then I sent it off to Sharif and never saw it again. So I, I didn't do that on purpose, but I did end up getting the best of the deal there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got the doll first, and opening it, it was kind of, like, gross, honestly. It was just, had been in a box forever. It was kind of musty, kind of spooky, just spooky looking. And I immediately started getting some, like, physical reactions to the doll being present, which I didn't expect because I had a lot of skepticism going into this experiment. Mm -hmm. I've never owned anything 
so haunted that I physically react to it. But this doll had such like a, I don't know, just it was like an amalgamation of emotions. Upon opening it, I just felt like hot on the back of my neck. And I remember that I kept feeling irritated was Mm -hmm. the key word that came across. I should say we were filming this all for YouTube. So I was filming my reaction off the bat to opening the doll. Like everything was just like as it was happening. And one of the words I mentioned multiple times in my videos is that I felt really irritated for no reason at all upon opening the doll. And later we find out that Sharice also mentioned that she feels felt irritated. Yeah. Every interaction I had with the doll, like anytime I sat down with her to do, you know, a session with her, EVP session, whatever, I just would get progressively more and more irritated throughout it. And in my video, I mean, you can even see like my whole demeanor starts changing. Like I'm doing my, one of my first sessions with her and I'm just like, I was so irritated. Teresa and I had planned ahead of time what kind of experiments we would do with Betty the doll. So we had planned to do like a K2 session. If you know what a K2 meter is, it measures like electromagnetic fields in the area and so we measured that did some different uh spiritual like sessions with it i used a pendulum sharice later used her tarot cards and what i noticed was happening as i was investigating with this doll the first week was that i was getting messages that there were multiple spirits attached to the doll which is really interesting because you know we were trying to keep in mind the bias we had we already knew that it was this woman named betty and, oh, and I should say, we weren't sharing this with each other the, yeah. the week that oh, we had it. But yeah. I feel like that we just weren't going to, like, I knew she had the doll, and that's all I really knew. That's all you knew? Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, like my week really with the doll, I didn't tell her anything either, because we didn't want to, you know, influence each other's opinions. Sure, So that sure. was really kind of weird, the fact that we both independently picked up on the fact that there was definitely more than one spirit attached to this doll. That was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did share at the end, though. We did like a little three-minute video recapping our week, and we sent them to each other. And oh, my gosh, that was crazy. I was listening to Amanda's recap of her week and the experiences, and I had goosebumps over my whole body because there were so many similarities to things that I had experienced as well. Yeah. That, that we did not expect that at all. Like, this whole experiment surpassed our expectations. Like, we just were like, oh, this will be kind of fun. You know, maybe it'll be like something, some content, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) It blew our minds. Yeah. It it was awesome. It was, we even had a conversation at one point that was like, okay, if we buy this doll, which is another reason why we didn't want to spend too much money on this doll, is like, we could buy it and nothing happens. And then we just scratched the whole idea and don't post anything because it would just be us sitting around with a doll and nothing happening but like the twofold of this experiment i mean one on one hand we're ghost hunting with this haunted doll and on another hand we're doing like an experiment in psychic connectedness between the two of us like because we're not sharing any information and we're kind of waiting to see if we can somehow tap into something individually and then end up with the same results is basically what we were shooting for and it's exactly what we ended up with as sharice mentioned as she said, if we shared little three-minute videos that just, like, recapped everything, uh, including feelings that we had, like, irritation, which we both said that, and also, you know, feeling like there were multiple spirits, when in reality, we had the idea that there should only be one spirit. Yet yeah, we both decided to take a leap and say, I think that there's multiple spirits yeah. attached to this haunted doll. 
also while I had the doll over the week, I, I was doing these different experiments, but you know, day to day, I had to just let this doll hang out in my house. I would kind of place it in different parts of my apartment, kind of testing to see if it would move or anything. It, it didn't. I, it was still really creepy, but no, it didn't get up and walk across the room or anything. But I think it did cause a shelf that I have to fall down. I had this shelf hanging up for months that has never budged it was like stuck to the wall not with a nail but like a sticky thing I don't know it hadn't budged in months but that fell while I had the doll I was like extremely clumsy the entire week that I had the doll and yeah (laughs) yeah and also I just overall felt like sluggish and like mad and just weird like just out of sorts a lot of emotions and things that I was feeling just didn't make any sense. My life was just normal. Yeah. And so I, I sent off the doll after that. So I had my week with the doll. It was weird. I recorded it all, sent it off to Sharice. And then, uh, Sharice, tell us about your experience with the doll. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I already said, I mean, every interaction I had with her, I would just get more and more irritated, which that kind of was my first indicator of like, I don't know if I like this energy <laughs> that's attached oh, to sure. this doll because, you know, when something is negatively affecting your mood, like that's not very cool. And then I don't know if it's because I had her for longer. I think I ended up having her for almost a month. So I had to do my week with her and then we did a giveaway and we had to run that for like a week. And then it was literally, we chose the winner and the next morning I was at the post office shipping this doll off. Um, <laughs> like with the quickness, <laughs> as the post office was open, I was there getting her out because it was not just affecting me. And like Amanda said too, I just was like clumsy that week, like just dropping things or like bumping into stuff. I'm like, this is so weird. And then even my husband, who's not spiritually in tune at all. I mean, you know, he kind of believes in all this, but like not really, he was even kind of starting to feel some energies. And what was weird is he doesn't remember his dreams ever but the week that I was really investigating her he was remembering his dreams and they were all dreams of like us cheating on each other and like weird you know like (laughs) not good marriage dreams Wow! and it almost makes you think like between the irritation feelings it was almost like this entity was like trying to create tension you know I mean they say like negative entities or unpleasant entities feed off of that like fear and negativity and irritation so it was almost like it was trying to create that so yeah i like disharmony <laughs> I between you just because it, it would it would somehow it would feed it or get some kind yeah. of yeah but luckily i mean like i that. yeah and i mean i knew what to look out for so i was doing all kinds of i'm definitely a spiritual person and i was doing all kinds of like home cleansings and protections and oh the other really weird thing was one morning, it was like a week or so after I already had the doll. One morning, it was still dark out. I thought that my son had gotten up out of his room and was like walking back and forth in the hallway a couple times. And I'm like, oh my God, this is too early for this kid to be up. So I get up out of bed to go tell him to lay back down. He's sound asleep in his bed. My daughter's in her bedroom with her door shut. Both the animals, I have a dog and a cat, they were in the room with me. So it wasn't them. So I was like, oh, well, that's fun yes and what's what's even crazier about that what's even crazier about that is then later when my video comes out there's portions of the filming that I did while investigating where you can see me stop and like look in the hallway as I was hearing footsteps in my hallway Mm -hmm. as well 
with the, during the week that I had the stuff. Yeah, and we, again, we had no idea that that stuff was happening. I think we did mention that in our last, like, little clips to each other that are like, this is what happened to me because we had notes. Mm-hmm. And it was like heard noises in the hallway. And we both had that exact same situation, which is yeah. wild. I think the most exciting part of the experiment, though, would have to be the spirit box session that yeah. we did at the very end of it. And we were both most excited about that as well. Because Sharif lives in Ohio. I live in Spokane. We're like totally as far apart as you can get. We decided to do a Zoom spirit box Estes session or Estes method is what it's called. It's basically like sensory deprivation, like blindfold, uh, noise canceling headphones. And then you're repeating back what you hear in the static while the other person's asking the question. So basically you can't hear the questions. So it kind of removes some of that bias. You're not looking for the, the answer. You're just saying what you're hearing. So in our video, we, one of us took a turn asking the questions and then the other one asked the questions, but we're not hearing the questions at all. And we're also not even in the same state. We're doing it over webcam and the right. results that we had were just totally wild. At one point, I, while Sharice was blindfolded and had the headphones on, I asked the spirit in the room or whatever with her, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? And I held up my fingers to the camera and she said, three or whatever it was on that exact moment. The fact that she can't hear me asking that at that moment and decides to say something that's like a relevant answer to it and also correct just blew my mind. That's one of the most insane things I've ever seen. And she also, I think at one point I asked, (laughs) this is, don't don't do this, anyone listening. <laughs> uh, but I asked, but I asked the ghost to give her a tap on the shoulder. I'm so sorry, Sharice. That well, that's okay, because then I did it back to you. So okay. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, give her a little tap, and then Sharice goes, I- "I'm feeling sick to my stomach," and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> back away, shoo, like get away from her, shoo." <laughs> yeah. And again, she's blindfolded and headphones on, can't hear what I'm saying. And the second after I say. Yeah, give her a tap on the shoulder. She's like, I don't feel very good. And then later, she, uh, Sharif, what did you ask when I felt somebody next to me when I had the headphones on? I can't quite remember. I said, because it was at the beginning when we switched, because I did it first, right, I think. And then mm-hmm. yep. I asked you the question second. I said, you know, it's Amanda's turn to have a conversation with you. Are you able to go to where she is? And I can't remember the exact response, but it said something like, I'm there or like I'm going or something. And that's what her response was. Amanda said it. She said, I'm going or I'm, I'm there. So I was like, Oh, okay. Like you're there with her. And I was like, are you standing next to her? And at that point, Amanda's like, there's somebody right here next to me. And I was like, Holy crap. Oh like yeah. you actually went there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just sitting in my room, like on my couch and uh, my house isn't haunted, I would say. And I've never felt anything like that. It, all of a sudden, it just felt like the feeling when somebody's standing in, like, I don't know, like how you can tell somebody's staring at you or something, sure, just sure. like that, that feeling that somebody's there. All of a sudden, I got that feeling that they were there, and I mentioned it. I was like, somebody's right here next to me. And then right after that, or sometime around the same time, I also heard singing, not in my headphones, though, coming through the static, but actually outside of my headphones as if somebody was singing outside of the headphone at me, uh, which was very confusing. And later we think maybe that was not 
I, we don't know if that was Betty or not, but that spooked me so bad. I had to take the headphones off for a second and like recenter myself. Sure. Yeah, that was crazy. I'm sitting there asking questions and all of a sudden she freezes and then she rips the headphones off and I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> oh <laughs> and Sharice was, was, was so good and level-headed and says, you know, are you hearing my voice maybe? Is it muffled? Is it my voice muffled? Are your headphones not noise canceling enough? And I was like, well, it's singing. So unless you're singing to me for some reason, <laughs> then I don't think that it's you. Also, while Sharice was listening to the the spirit box, I remember too. She, we had this theory that the doll was a vessel for multiple spirits because both of our answers throughout the weeks that we had the doll were leaning towards like multiple spirits, multiple different energies coming through. It wasn't like one person we could really pinpoint. And Sharice was feeling like maybe there was something inside of the doll that was causing it to be this vessel or to hold this energy. And so while she was listening to the headphones, I asked what part of the doll that that was uh, the source of the energy. And Sharice at that point says, I think she says head or no, neck. She just says neck all of a sudden. And then she goes leg, foot, and just starts naming off different body parts and you even Sharice at one point laughed and we're like I don't know what I'm saying like why am I just saying which that's what's so weird when you're doing this Estes method session like when you're the one listening to the headphones and you can't hear the questions it's just so weird because you are just sitting there like yelling out random words like blue seven (laughs) banana (laughs) and it doesn't make sense to you but then yeah once you hear the questions that were being asked it's pretty crazy and especially when it all ties in the way it did for you. I watched yeah. that video and yeah, that was gnarly. But carry on, please. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. basically it, it blew our minds. <laughs> we, as I said, we weren't expecting much from this doll. And then not only did the doll provide like a legitimate haunting, I feel like both of our houses were haunted in the time that we housed this doll. But also Sharice and I successfully carried out this almost like a medium type of session where we both channeled this dull spirit. Because another thing that's interesting about that Zoom over the internet at this session is that Sharice is the one with the doll. So I'm also, when I was trying to answer the questions, I'm reaching out to to some spirit that states away through the the internet, basically. (laughs) Or according to the doll, it traveled to you. Which that's yeah. kind of a crazy theory to think then too. Apparently, you know, spirits might not be stuck in a particular location or object. Like they that's have free reign. I don't know. It really opened up more questions than it did answers. Oh, I think sure. it's totally oh, one yeah. of those things. Yeah, because it was like, you know, so so many questions. Yeah, can the, can a spirit just travel on its own accord, depending on who's reaching out to it? Can two people? share like psychic experience like experiences either the doll was haunted or Sharice and I somehow tapped into each other and we're answering or we're having the same experiences because we're like deciding to conjoin and you know we were so focused on this collaboration and kind of like right you know kind of connecting in a sense like it's just it really opened our minds for me at least yeah. a lot to the possibilities of the haunted object and of ghost hunting on the internet you know yeah, just like so many different things hunting <laughs> yeah yeah it was really cool yeah
Okay. That story was fucking terrifying. Haunted dolls are my personal paranormal Achilles heel. Dolls, especially haunted and or possessed dolls, scare the living shit out of me. A little side note here. The first time I talked to Ivy, you remember Ivy's segment from back at the beginning of the episode? She had a haunted doll in the background of the Zoom call that we were on. I do need to say this. Thank you, Ivy, for moving the doll out of the video frame when I expressed the high level of terror I was experiencing on seeing the doll. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of Robert the doll? Look it up. Robert the doll in Florida. I'm not saying anything bad or otherwise about Robert. Not me. No, no, no. You do not mess with Robert. You just do not. Betty the doll. That one doesn't look like something I'd want to mess with at all. However, let me say this. I kind of had an idea after I talked to a man in Cherise. I'm going to start tracking Betty and kind of recording the experiences that people have had as she passes through the hands of various paranormal investigators. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with these different teams of investigators. Is Betty going to behave the same as she did for Amanda and Charisse? Time will tell. I will be keeping you all in the loop with this developing story. Do yourself a favor. Watch the YouTube video on Amanda's channel, the pretty effing spooky YouTube channel of the Betty investigation. The video on Amanda's channel is titled A Shared Haunting, My Week with a Haunted Doll. You'll see Amanda and Sharice doing the Estes Method session, part of the doll investigation, and that is gnarly. You can also watch Sharice's side of that investigation on her YouTube channel. I will put links to both Amanda and Sharice's channels on the Bobcast webpage for this episode. I'd recommend you subscribe to both Amanda and Sharice's YouTube channels while you're at it. While you're there, why not? That's going to do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed all the stories, uh, even CJ's, you know, maybe especially CJ's. Well, whatever. All the stories in this episode were absolutely incredible. Amanda and Sharice, that story, winner, absolutely. That was the scariest story of this episode, I believe. So, Amanda and Sharice... Do expect some good stuff headed your way from Discount Cemetery soon because your story did win the scariest and left the biggest impression on me out of all the stories in this episode. Thanks to everybody, though, that told stories for me for this episode. I really do appreciate you all taking the time to tell me your tales. Thanks to all the bands who let me play your songs in this episode as well. Parasites, Tsunami Bomb, Nightbirds, and coming up in just a minute, Pulley. The Pulley song is a cover of the Haunted Mansion theme song, Grim Grinning Ghosts, and fuck yeah, what a cover of that song. It's really good. Thank you, Pulley. A ho-ho-ho huge thank you to this episode's sponsor, Discount Cemetery. Go to www.discountcemetery.com. Use the code PARTYWITHBOB at checkout for 20% off of your entire order. Merry Christmas, Happy Yule, Happy Holidays to you. Because when you order the best in creep wear from Discount Cemetery and use that code, you will save a good chunk of money. Remember, too, if you're on the market for paranormal investigating gear, go to my website, which is www.iwantapartywithbob.com. Click on that Ghost Stop banner to order the finest in ghost hunting gear available in the entire world. One last thing. Join my Patreon, please www.patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. I do promise to have some updates to that Patreon page coming very soon. 
Lastly, of course, as always, thank you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's Pulley with their version of the Haunted Mansion theme song, Grim Grinning Ghosts. Thanks again for listening. Compulsory